You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello, my name is Maddie. And welcome to OK Sis. Hey, guys. I'm Scout, Mads' older sister. And... It feels weird because we're together recording this intro. Usually we do this over Zoom. And I just want to reflect for one moment, Mads, on the fact that a year ago, in-person recordings were taken from us. I know. I am literally looking into your eyeballs, not through a screen. This is I don't know if I want that for me. Oh, all right. All right. I know. It's very strange because you... We've talked about this on the podcast before, but like you are... You didn't enjoy the remote recordings because you can't feel someone's energy and it's a little, it's just different. It's, it, there's a different connection that happens when you're in person. And I have actually enjoyed the remote recordings because it has opened up and expanded our guest pool so that they don't have to be only limited to living in Los Angeles or visiting Los Angeles. Now we have recorded episodes with people in New York and Canada, everywhere. Yeah, I think that in the beginning of quarantine, we really scrambled because we had no idea how to do remote recordings in a way that actually the quality was great. How did we record in separate spaces, et cetera. But I think now that we have that under our belt, I think that when we do go back to in-person recordings that we we still kind of adhere to that strict in-person if you're in the region, but then we can open it up because we now know we how now to know, right? And there are some pros and cons. I mean, it allows us to be a lot more flexible. It allows us to do it in the middle of the day. I don't have to come to LA, which is amazing. But at the end of the day, the connections that we've made with the women this year are definitely, de- 
are definitely strong and we've definitely kept up with them and become friends with them and now they're in our network and all these things but I just imagine how much stronger it would be if we were in person and so it's an interesting take that the podcasting community has take has hate we're so fortunate that we can still do this remotely Um, but I definitely am looking forward to the day where we have our first in-person recording with a guest I like can't even, I don't even know what that will even <laughs> look like and manifest as itself. But yeah, counting down the days. Um, but regardless, I just, I want to leave you with this one uh, thought. <clears throat> I've been drinking coffee. I've been keeping it squeaky. So this was not, I didn't consent to this. I didn't approve of that content. I didn't want it in my space. But yet again, Mads just brought it. She brought it, and I have no choice but to take it. So let me just back up and give some context to you, dear listener. We were in the hot tub. Scout, me, and all the boys. We're actually <laughs> we are surrounded we're, we're by so surrounded many by boys. men. What is happening? So, so we should yeah. preface who these boys are. First sure. of all, we're in Big Bear Sisters on a family vacation. And also, my voice is a little scratchy because... I took a nap and kind of woke up with a sore throat, not COVID, but we took a hike in very cold air. And we're in elevation, so it's just like we're all out of breath every moment of the Constantly. Day. So anyways, we are surrounded by so many men because we have my husband, we have your boyfriend, we have our stepbrother Miller, and then we have Miller's best friend Omar who comes with us to everything now. And we have our dad. And we have our dad. And so, but in the jacuzzi, it's you, me, Adam, Ben, Miller, and Omar, and we are... masculine energy up in this hot tub it was really it's very interesting for us because we're not really surrounded by masculine energy that much and it was a lot and i was singing i was like oh my god ariana grande love her like i've been drinking coffee i would keep it a squeaky and then adam was like is she talking about her rectum and i was like oh my god i never put two and two together like i thought maybe you know she's just like she's drinking coffee and she's just has her energy up and she's keeping to me keeping it squeaky does not equal coffee because coffee (laughs) in the rectum's kind of a mess right so squeaky to me felt like okay maybe she's using some ph balance wipes she's like you know shaving lasering waxing keeping it squeaky down there but what we found out is that, yes, the coffee means that she's shitting her brains out. And then she it is available then for anal sex. I'm just wondering if when she becomes a seven-year-old, when she looks back on the when lyrics. She, when she becomes a seven-year-old? Seventy-year-old. Oh, okay, yes. And she looks back on the lyrics of her life, if that is one that she will feel proud of. Because I think that... I listen to all of these lyrics that these women are saying and there has to be and there is a whole production team that are putting these words into their mouth that are putting, you know, we've seen it with Britney Spears. We've seen it with Jessica Simpson, what they did to them. And it has to it has to be happening today. And there's some things that I was thinking about with Ariana Grande, you know, break up with your boyfriend. You can hit it in the morning like it's yours. That's a terrible message. Well, and no. At, no, it's a terrible no, no, no. message. I, I agree with that. My, my worst message that has come out from her is seven rings, which Look, if you're a woman, spend your money as you will. Fucking go ham. You deserve it. You deserve to spend all your money. But yes, do not like, like just, I don't know. There was a, there was a really disconnect between her audience and her of the level of wealth she was portraying. Um, But nevertheless, great bops. 
yeah, great bops. But I'm kind of looking for, I think after we all went through the year of 2020, where people are investigating and searching for a little bit more meaning in their life, self-reflecting, becoming more aware. I hope that the mainstream messages that are coming out. are Okay. Yes, for sure. Be empowered to talk about your rectum. But (laughs) you know what I mean? Like. Can I just I just don't believe that Ariana Grande looks at her records and says, okay, one, I talked about, you know, stealing another woman's man and telling him that he can have it whenever he wants and that this body is his Two that she's keeping it squeaky clean in her rectum and three that she's spending lavish money that her, you know what I mean? There's just, yeah, there's, you know, we could, if you're reaching that many people and if you're putting your heart and your soul in into production value, can we just up the content message a little bit? It's grandeur. It's, it's her flaunting her wealth and look it's no flaunting the wealth for me it's fine. i actually was totally fine with that like yeah get it girl but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree else. With but there is something to be said about just like bops just fucking like mindless but, bops but the that bops, get her shit ton no, of money just like no. mindless the bops the reason you like the bop is the beat and the catchy tone so i'm saying we could easily replace that yeah. with lyrics that actually fuel our subconscious in a little bit better ways you know Okay, let's make a quick pivot. Last week, our country faced yet another horrific event with the mass shooting in Atlanta, where Asian women were shot and murdered. And it was a very, very apparent hate crime on the Asian community. When this happened, obviously, there was a sense of shock that ran through our citizens of this country who really do believe that racism is existing, such as my sister and myself. And I started reposting. And as I was reposting, I felt strange reposting because I feel as if we've gotten to a point where this is just what we do. A horrific event happens in our country and we repost to share awareness, to show our solidarity and our allyship with the um, community that has been afflicted and wronged. And as I did it, I said, this is so, so strange and something feels wrong about the fact that I just go here and I repost real quick because that's what I'm quote unquote supposed to do. And so I had kind of an internal check-in and I realized that the reason that I found out about this complete utter tragedy and uh, murder, what do you even call a murder that's times eight, Jesus, um, was because others had reposted. And so I realized the power of reposting because it educated me. I was able to read about the horrific events, how the murderer was, you know, he was chased down and he wasn't, they weren't, they didn't use extreme force on him. What if he had been a black man? There were so many sentiments that came about from people reposting things from other women in the community and leaders within the Asian community that I realized that the power of reposting, while we might think it's a small thing and while it, yes, it is sad that it has to become this checklist that we do when something terrible like this happens, it really does spread the message and it really does allow other people to stop what they're doing on social media and listen and take a different perspective. So the way that we share information today and the way that we amplify the racist problems in our country is through social media, especially with our communities. So if you're ever sitting there and you want to figure out how to show solidarity and maybe it's overwhelming for you and maybe you don't know where to start, resharing um, a post that resonates with you on the tragedy is 
a beautiful way to show the show other people that other than silence other than choosing silence yeah i think a lot of people they're like oh what is reposting this gonna do but silence is worse it does a lot my friend called me and said hey i saw your stories what the fuck just happened and it opened a whole conversation between me and her she's a white woman and we started talking about the systematic racism that exists in this country so we want to say one Mads and I and the entire OKSIS podcast stands with every minority group in this country. We are 100% against white supremacy, any sort of violence that is directed towards somebody's ethnicity, race, religion, sexual orientation, uh, gender orientation, whatever the fuck it is, pink hair, I don't give a shit. It's unacceptable and it needs to stop. The biggest threat that our country faces today is white supremacists. They are the domestic terrorists. They are the most weapon or the most lethal terrorists I believe we've ever experienced on American soil. So we just wanted to let everybody know that one, I mean, not even let everybody know, but just say to our Asian sisters, we know last week was hard for you. We are sitting here. We are listening to you. I just, okay. Let me, let me say one thing. Cause I, it's just so fucked. Up. It's just so fucked up. And, um, this, this happened last, last June with black lives matter and George Floyd. And, I, I feel very, very grateful that my entire social media uh, curation, if you will, my entire feed is in agreement with my morals and my beliefs, which I feel very grateful for. And I also fear because then that means that people on the other side are also curating their feeds the same way, uh, a different way. And they are not seeing what we are seeing. But so for me, I was seeing, you know, these posts, I was like, 100%, like, this is a fucking, this is terrorism. This is tragedy. Da, da, da. And our, our graphic designer that did our graphics for the virtual event, Alyssa, her handle is a tnn design you guys need to follow her she's just fucking rad i'm obsessed with her i literally reference all of her graphic designs all the time she's an asian woman and she posted this like really you know trendy graphic that kind of went viral and then she posted a lot of the comments that she was getting on the post and i mean just i wish i it, it was really sad that i was shocked like i felt so it was so apparent that bias against Asian Americans and against, I mean, against every minority in this country. Like these people that were commenting were just so, so staunch in their other beliefs. And I I wish that it wasn't quote unquote politicized and that we weren't putting politics into this because it's not politicized. This is a human being versus not, not versus literally not giving a shit about another human being. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not politics. It's not Democrat versus Republican. It's really you not caring about another human being. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think that when you said they're staunch in their beliefs, I think when you approach people like that, not that they deserve any grace, but maybe the thing, I don't know, I still hold on to some kind of hope that we can help others understand. And so I don't turn off that whole well, they they staunchly believe this. I try to see their perspective and I try to bring them into I tried. the fold. I read, I read I every think, comment. I couldn't. I think, well, I think that if you are listening to this and you, and I, I really don't think this is any of our sisters, but if it is, you know, if you believe that what happened was not an act of hate or racism, fine. Take that level off the table for two seconds. Eight people were murdered. Yeah. And that by a white man. And white men have walked into public establishments, privately owned businesses, and shot way too many people and so let's just start there let's just start with saying no 
man can walk into a public establishment or a private establishment and shoot people, period. Let's just agree there, and then we can fucking move on to the racism, because clearly that's too difficult for some people to understand. It's too difficult for people to let go of their precious white power and privilege. Like, just fucking check it at the door. Like, I'm... Oy. I mean, yeah. I know that and we're... And it's not, just, it's not just white people. There's a lot of people who... There's a lot of different ethnicities, races, and religions that hold biases and racism yeah. towards others' groups. It's not just a white problem. There are a lot of... But uh, in this, in in this, this scenario, scenario, this yes, is very white. I think that yeah. it is important for us to just knock down the barriers between all religions, all communities, all minorities, because... It's it's harming us as a collective. It's harming people individually. It's harming people's families and people are dying. So enough. Enough. Okay, sisters, in light of all of that, we have a woman on today's podcast. Her name is Alamade. She is the founder of Topicals, which you've probably seen everywhere on your fucking Instagram. Let's put away the branding for two seconds. (laughs) Even though it's supreme. Because, yes, okay, sis, over here, we're into branding. She blew me away to the nth degree. I am I was so thoroughly impressed by not only her business acumen but her self-worth metric, the way she showed up for her life and her dreams. I see her in 10 years on some stage showing women what it's like to step into your worth and go after your dreams. She resonated so deeply with me and I'm so proud and honored of this conversation, truly. I really am. I'm I'm utterly utterly obsessed with her she as you said the self-worth metric i i as you guys know we ask a question at the end of every episode where we say if you could brag about something what would you brag about and do not be humble and what you'll listen to throughout this episode we didn't need to ask we didn't even need to ask and it and it does and the the craziest part is it never came off conceited or or self-involved she is the most understanding and compassionate and empathetic person but she fucking knows what she deserves yeah she just knows it and that's it that's end of story period done ladies she is the youngest black woman to raise over a million dollars in investment an investment yeah one of her investors is fucking Issa ray like get out of here and the like CEOs of Casper and War- like get the fuck out of here. So I'm going to be bookmarking this episode and pulling out all the incredible quotes. You know, I feel when I saw her, I said, "Ugh, this was the messaging that I was looking for at her age when I started my entrepreneurial journey. I found a lot of parallels to where I am today from the stuff that she was saying. But to see her, I'm going to totally say her her age wrong i think she's 22 or 23 at she's, this point uh, yeah she's it's ridiculous she's young it's it's she's a force she has she connects to some divine talent message whatever so sisters we hope you love this one as much as we did and of course we love you we love you Before we get into today's ridiculously inspiring conversation, let's talk about prescription skincare. Prescription acne treatment really works, but it's hard to get. You have to take time off work to see a doctor and sit in line at the pharmacy for your medications. Until apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then just snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan. 
tailored just for you. Seriously, sisters, you snap some photos, you tell them what you need, you get a customized plan. The best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medication, so you can treat your acne from the inside out and the inside in. But it's also important to know that you can decide which type you want. For example, I didn't want oral medication, so I got prescribed topical. Apostrophe treats acne, and they can also help you hit your other skincare goals, like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. Sisters, you know we talk about skincare all the time, but there are times when we kind of need a prescription to get that stuff taken care of. Apostrophe has been a godsend for us. All of you sisters know that I have been taking spironolactone for the longest time, and it has been the only thing that has helped my acne. And during quarantine, I actually could not visit my dermatologist. So I researched a place to find, you know, spironolactone that could be sent directly to me. And apostrophe popped up on my Google search. I It was the most seamless experience, and I have actually been getting my spironolactone from them ever since. It has been the most incredible experience. You don't need to go into an in-person appointment. You don't need to see a dermatologist in person. You could just fill out the questionnaire and they will give you exactly what you need. Get $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash OKSIS and use our code OKSIS. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash OKSIS and click begin visit. Then use the code O-K-A-Y-S-I-S at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash OKSIS, code OKSIS, to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. And as always, sisters, the link is in the show notes so that you can get prescription skincare on the go. Okay, sisters, back to the episode. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. 
when I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Wait, Maddie, you're... Okay, so I'm I'm doing my apartment right now because I just moved. Your interior decoration back there is giving me all the things it needs to give me. Yeah, so I my inspo was if Jenny Kane vomited all over my apartment. That was like what I was going for. So I'm so appreciative that you recognize that. Is it is it a white black kind of decor? It is. So it's white and neutrals and then um some earth tones over there, you know. We got we got the whole it's we're very minimalistic neutral palette gals that's what I'm trying to do here um we'll see if it works out I'm I'm one of those people it's so bad I told everyone once my like creative chakra is like unblocked it's really over for everyone (laughs) okay I'm a business creative but colors and stuff are so hard for me like makeup hard for me we just became soul sisters one (laughs) you said that your creative chakra was open mads rolls her eyes at me all the time when I talk about the chakras because like my problem is my root chakra that I'm always working on and then two you said you have trouble with color my house is also completely neutral with black accent tones actually and so Mads you better get on the chakra talk look um I'm feeling the energy I'm feeling the vibes so like maybe one day we'll we'll get there but I totally feel you, and I'm a little confused, though, because Topicals is highly colorful. So we're going to have to speak about the choices. Um, Okay, before we get into everything Topicals, which is all over my face right now, and it's just been... 
I mean, glowing, glowing. Um, let's get into current fixations. So, Scow, why don't you start? Okay, so I was taking a nap one day and Mad's face. As you do. Yeah, as I do <laughs> constantly. Or I had just woken up from a ma- nap. I don't know. So I put my face mask. So I got, I, I never understood the eye masks. Is that what they're called? Like the ones you sleep with? Like that, sh- not, not skincare, the ones that shut the light out. And um, sleeping masks, sleeping masks. And I never had one, but we got one Mads when we stayed at the Dream Hollywood Hotel last year for our live event. And so I just decided to use it. And so I wake up from a nap. I like put it on my forehead and Mads FaceTimes me. So I'm like answering like half awake, you know, really bad angle. And she starts making fun of me because my sleeping mask is like this. It's not really turquoise. It's like turquoise with a hint of mint green. And it says like sleep you later or something with an eyeball. And it's just so, so not on brand for me. One, the color aspect. Two, the graphic saying. So I have been on the lookout for something that matches, you know, my aesthetic a little bit more. And I found one. Um, It's a female founded brand. It's called Slept. And I love it because it's black they have one I think black and pink are their only two colors right now but I obviously got the black one and it's weighted so the socket area around your eye which is totally a not sexy way to talk about this is (laughs) weighted and so when I sleep it just it's kind of like the effect of a weighted blanket which I have yet to try but I would imagine this is the effect it just not just not only does it block out the lights, it rests into you. So you enter into deep relaxation. And wow. I am so obsessed, one, because it functions great with the weightedness and two, because it's black and silk. And I feel as if I am now in alignment with my truth while I take naps. Okay. What's your current fixation, Mads? Um, OK, my current fixation is Saqqara, which you look it's an expensive investment to get on the Sakara subscription train, right? And I have just been feeling like utter shit, treating my body like a terrible, a terrible vessel, if you will. So I thought, let me just do a little cleanse, a little three-day Sakara action. And I was like, it's not going to probably taste good because it's like raw food or it's just like more very, very clean plant-based and I'm a healthy eater but it was this is like to the extreme I was wrong these meals are delicious they are so yummy and I'm very mad because it's very expensive so I cannot continue on this journey but it is a great like if you're really needing a reset I would highly recommend I think just doing the three-day two meals a day just like once a one um one time every couple months like it really does feel you just feel so energized and, and nourished and um i i you know, look i i would highly recommend but if you're on a budget let's get the cookbook which is what scout did and then actually just like cook the meals which is probably a better yeah like what i do it's uh, the cookbook i would also highly recommend oh i remembered what i was going to say about your sleeping mask um, <laughs> yes. um, what do you do? And I think we can all talk about this. What do you do when you have the only reason I don't use a sleeping mask when I actually go to sleep is that my skincare is on my face. So it's like, how do you put it on and it not get smushed all over your face? I only use it for naps in the middle of the day to block the light. out. I don't use it. I don't use it when I at sleep night. at night. All right. 
There you go. Okay, what is your current fixation? So I'm super obsessed with teeth gems right now. Um, I would love to, I actually have one in. What? Wait, is this a grill? <laughs> yes, it's like, it's like, a, it's a grill. It's, it's bedazzled. It's, kind of like, it's bedazzled teeth. <laughs> yeah, so it's bedazzled teeth. I don't know. I'm just so, it was like something that was really big in the 90s. And then I saw someone get it. And right before my birthday in October, I got it. And I've had it literally since then, which I'm, it's really wild that it's lasted this long. Um, but basically they just put it on with dental glue. Wait. So wait, how does it stick on? Like it, it, it's magic. It really is because I'm like, I eat, I eat like crunchy things and, and you brush your teeth. Yes. And this one fell off, like the jewel fell off. So I have to get that removed and like go back and get it put again. But I really like it. Cause I I've started to notice, and this is my consumer psychology side, but like everything is an extension of your personal style, like every single thing. And so I really like this because I've always wanted a grill, but like, didn't, well, my teeth aren't straight at the bottom. So like, I didn't want to invest in a grill and then get braces or get my teeth straight and not be able to wear it. But I really love this teeth gems because they feel so dainty, but also just like as a cool accent. So I've been obsessed. I was just actually talking about like, maybe I should bedazzle my whole tooth. And then my boyfriend was like, slow your Let's <laughs> wait. take a beat. Okay. <laughs> There's so many questions here. One, where yeah. does where does one go to get this done if someone is interested? So I live in LA. There's a ton of places in LA. You just like Google it. Um, I can't remember where I went, but I went somewhere in Echo Park, but it was really cool. Sounds right. So places like, um, yeah, all over LA. I saw that there's a bunch of places. I just went to the place that was closest to me. Um, they're not that expensive. They range from like 30 to $60, depending on like the style or design you get. Um, they have cool ones like the chandelier, which is like your whole tooth with tiny gems. And then they have the disco ball, which is like larger gems all over your tooth. They do like um, metal hearts. They do butterflies. They do like all different designs and you can just like put them on teeth. It's my mind okay. is blowing up. This is the most, you know what? This is the most like Gen Z thing I have ever heard. And it just is very much in alignment with topicals. I mean, like this is, talk about extension of a brand. Like, <laughs> of course, teeth gems. Like It's true. And there was actually like these two Gen Zers, these TikTokers who actually started a company called um I forgot what it's called it's like Gem Z's oh Gem Z that's what that's it's called Gem so wait Gem the one that so you bad. have you can't really see it on the on the video but on zoom so is it just like a silver what is it oh oh it's just it's just a little rhinestone yes it is oh, a rhinestone. so why did you get it because you kind of got it in the back why didn't you get it more in the front because I didn't really know how it was going to look. And the thing is, if you get them, if you get them like straight across your teeth, it just looks like braces. Yeah, so I was, yeah. I wanted to be cute and be like, smile and like, Bing. little sparkle. Yeah. But then I realized that I feel like I went a little too laid back. So I do want to do something that maybe has a little bit more bling next time. But I think you need I like a design know. or like a shape or something. This is yes, kind of fun for photo shoots. Yes. And people do it. Like, I, I think, um, um, it originated definitely from like the black community because it was an extension of grills. But I mm. saw um, a lot of like black celebrities and influencers getting them. But someone I saw that I thought was super interesting is um, Haley Bieber got it for her wedding. And I was like, oh my yeah, God. I was like, my mom, okay, for prom, I wore this like this headpiece. And my mom was like, you're going to regret it. You're going to look back on your prom pictures. And and I, I wonder if her parents or her mom was telling her, like, you're going to regret getting these teeth gems, but they're super cute. Oh, I got to look that up. Wow. This is yeah. like nail art. This is like nail art for teeth. Yeah. 
it was her whole tooth though I think that was done for her wedding which yeah oh okay this is recalling memories of mine that I might have seen that image at one point now it's it's ringing a bell it was in like Vogue or some like big magazine like chronicling her wedding to Justin Bieber and that isn't what influenced me it was actually again some other black YouTuber influencer I saw but I thought it was super cool that it's like coming back I love nostalgia that's topicals okay I love I mean yeah (laughs) it's the perfect okay so this is the perfect segue for those who don't know topicals and again we when you guys reached out to us to come on the pod I was like yes this brand has been everywhere like you guys have infiltrated the internet and it's it's so admirable and we want to get into the marketing and and you know I'm like a geek for that kind of stuff so I really want to know all about that but for those that don't even know what topicals is give us a little bit of a explanation for the class yes so topicals is a skincare brand transforming the way people feel about skin we do that through effective products for chronic skin conditions and mental health advocacy Our first two products, like Butter and Faded, are for discoloration and dry, sensitive, eczema-prone skin. Wow. We need need an elevator pitch like that. That was incredible. That was was tight. That was tight. When you you pitch for two years to investors, you get it down. You you figure it out. I think I can do a pitch in my sleep nowadays. Like People tell me, like, oh, are you going to prep for this? And I'm like- You're just like, no, girl. I got it. Okay. (laughs) I got it. So, I mean, you just mentioned investors. For those that don't know- like Issa Rae is an investor of yours, which just casual and the founders of Warby Parker. I mean, Casper, like, ta- I mean, just talk to us about that process and just being able to partner with those types of people. Yeah, it was really brutal. I won't lie. I think so many people sugarcoat it and, and like, oh, I pitched two people and they all said yes. No, I pitched a hundred people. Majority of them said no. Um, I think what was interesting is that as I was going through this process, I was understanding more and more about like what investors want to see and like what is the long game with investors. And so once you start to understand people's motivations, which again, I'm obsessed with consumer behavior, which is why you see topicals everywhere in certain places. Similarly with investors, you need to understand why people do things and what their motivations are. And then you can then like either help to alleviate those uh, motivations, fears, concerns, um, and partner with those kinds of people. So it took me two years, but I was really fortunate because I just connected with the right kind of people who wanted to see me win. Um, at the time I raised the money, I was 23, I'm 24 now. Um, I am the youngest black woman to raise over a million dollars, which is like so cool. Um, and I just, I love it because people used to tell me when I was younger, they used to be like, you, you do too much or like you're too ambitious. Cause I, I grew up in a small town in Texas. And I'm so glad I was ambitious because now I get to do fun and cool stuff like this. Um, but they just saw me and they saw that I had this vision to really take chronic skincare from out of like the mass CVS kind of like aisle, mm-hmm. the ointment aisle really, and bring it into the beauty space. And I think that's what has been our shining kind of light here is there's a whole category and a whole group of people who don't actually have the fun experience that you would have with, you know, really fun brands that we all love like Glossier or Drunk Elephant. They don't have that experience because their skin conditions don't allow them to use some products. And so I said, because I was one of those people, I had acne, boils, ingrown hairs, hyperpigmentation. I was like, I want to have a brand that represents me, but is also fun and not preachy. Like I didn't, I didn't want it to be clinical. I didn't want it to be like, love yourself, you know, do, 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 do. I didn't want it to be anything like that. I wanted it to be like, cool. And like, yeah, I have like, again, 
acne, eczema, hyperpigmentation is also in my mind, an extension of your personal style. Like I follow so many cool people. Like I'll shout one girl out that I, or one person, um, um, their pronouns are they, them. So mm-hmm. I will shout them out. I think Sage, uh, I think Sage Flocka is their name on Instagram. They have like visible um, acne and discoloration. And I think Sage is like the coolest person ever because they don't let their skin condition like not allow them to like do their hair in certain ways or dress in, in certain ways. And I just think they're the coolest person. And so people like that also are the inspiration for topicals because I think in the past, um, and topicals is very nostalgic of like the early 2000s. In the early 2000s, all the cool girls had clear skin. But like, I don't know about y'all, but when I was watching my favorite movies, like Teenage, um, Di- yeah, Diary of a Teenage Drama Queen or um, just different movies, like Mean Girls, um, they had clear skin. But I know watching that movie, I did not have clear skin. And so basically what we've done with topicals is take what we call spotty hotties. We've made them the main character in this like 2000s backdrop of what is topicals. There's so much here in the sense that you kind of started a skincare brand for like just the the person, like the real person who, because, because technically we all have skincare issues at one point or another and, and not to shout anybody out, but you'll see on Instagram on the explore page, like you'll see a real photo of like Kylie Jenner and then the retouched photo. And it just makes you realize that we all have different skin texture, consistency issues, et cetera. So a brand that's built out of that kind of equalizer is is a really beautiful and, ce- and celebrating it. Yeah. I mean, I think of like Emma Chamberlain and what she's done for acne. Like she's made acne look cool. Like I remember when I was watching her and I Scout and I both suffered from like chronic acne a couple of years ago. It was like crazy hormonal. I needed medical attention for it. I'm on spironolactone like through and through. Um, so, but watching, and I think Gen Z and your generation, they're coming up with this more like, this is me. Like, sorry, take it or leave it. Like, this is how my skin looks today. And it's so empowering because I don't think Scout and my generation had that like we didn't have that like intense realness about about skin and about beauty and I feel like there's just this whole army of women coming up being like yeah I got a pimple today I mean you th- you look at kind of what Starface is doing as well kind of the thing where it feels like yeah pimples are cute yeah I adore Julie Julie's brilliant she's she's like the best um I think something that we've talked about recently at topicals is filter dysmorphia which is this idea that like I even take pictures of myself and I'm like oh I'm not gonna post that because my skin texture like my I don't even really have acne because of topicals or I don't have anything but I'm like oh well it doesn't look like like butter it doesn't look like you know super smooth so like I should put a filter on and I think even I mean I'm a black woman right so it's like looking at my nose I'm like should I have a thinner skinnier nose and it's because filters and I think Gia Tolentino brilliant writer um talks a lot about Instagram face and I think it's a real thing and I think it's going to this is why mental health is really embedded in what we do at topicals but it's it's my story like I grew up as a darker skinned black woman with like a round nose and I don't have like the facial features that people would typically be like oh that person is like attractive or pretty and take on top of that having a skin condition it becomes really difficult to see yourself represented but even see yourself as someone like beautiful or worthy of like being the it girl and so 
I think like we do need to have a conversation about filter dysmorphia and why Gen Z is kind of anti this is we literally grew up like the first time we picked up a phone, we had MySpace, right? And I think for millennials or Gen Xers, they didn't have to grow up with their lives on camera or on screen. So I think this is why there's this huge rejection now of this like perfect Instagram face. You know, I always think about that. I mean, there's two things. One, not to like, you know, build you up or just say this, but you you are a very beautiful it girl in, in my mind. You're, like so you're a beautiful it girl. Like, you're chic. Like Anybody that tells you, you otherwise is strange. Um, and then I also <laughs> think back to my childhood. I'm 29. And so MySpace came around when I was in ninth grade. But I was actually doing photo shoots with my friends in middle school. Like we would take our camera and have photo shoots and we didn't really, we posted them on like digital photo album stuff. But this kind of culture of taking photos of one another actually came about before social media. I think it was just the accessibility to digital cameras. And I always think that's so interesting. And then when social media hit, it boomed. But I had a really great kind of aha moment in that I was looking at this blogger that I love following and I really don't compare myself to too many women on the internet. That's just something I don't engage in. But I was just wondering why she always looked so beautiful. I just couldn't get it. I was like, you're a mom, you own three businesses. Like, how are you looking this fucking good all the time? And then she took a picture without makeup and without a filter. And don't get me wrong. She's beautiful. But it was just this moment of, oh, yeah, you're human. I have been comparing myself and having these emotions around a distorted view of what beauty is. So I decided to actually not show up on my Instagram stories with any filters. And Mad's first reaction was, wow, that's really brave of you. And then I said, it's brave of me to look like I look. (laughs) To look like myself? (laughs) It's wild, huh? No, I need to make that pledge too. Cause even sometimes, and it's, it's so, I, I question myself about it. And sometimes I just won't even post a picture. Cause I'm like, if you feel like you cannot post this picture without a filter, just don't post a picture. Like don't contribute to this whole idea that like you have airbrushed skin and your life is perfect. And that's one thing. Like I want people to know my life is not perfect. Like yeah, tropicals is really hard work. <laughs> like it's hard managing people. It's hard leading a team, especially I'm 24. So it's like hard doing that. It's hard appeasing investors. It's hard appeasing customers. And like, I think Instagram and social media has just made us think that everyone's life is perfect. When in reality, Instagram is just the best takes of your life. I, I want to talk a little bit about your decision to go the investment route, because sometimes Mads will come to me and be like, we should do this. I'm like, yeah, but we need investors. Do you know what that means? Like that that's a big that's a big commit like a personal commitment of a lifestyle that you're making. So, when you decided to start Topicals, at what point were you like investment route is the way to go it or is it like limited quantity kind of bootstrapping? Like what was the thing that made you go that investment route and are you happy that you went that investment route? So from day one, I knew that I wanted investors and there it's twofold, right? I think one is because of the actual company. Like I think people with chronic skin conditions, the type of products they need require a lot more than just being able to kind of throw something together like a typical skincare brand can, right? Like we're not talking about glow. We're not talking about like hydration. We're talking about people who have eczema or who have discoloration or acne, like severe skin conditions. So I wasn't gonna throw something in a bottle and try to market it to people like 
with that type of skin condition. So we needed a little bit more help. Um, and then I also think that the brand experience for these customers needed to be top notch. Like I wanted to be in the ranks with people who people love. And I'm so excited that our brand resonates. That like brings me so much joy. You don't even, you don't even understand um, that people want to have, like what we said when we were pitching this brand was like, I want topicals to be so like in that people want to have a chronic skin condition so they can be a part of the, the community. And I think like, that's what's happened. People are like, well, I don't have a skin condition, but can I still use the products? And you, you definitely can. Um, I'll say the second large reason is I think that funding for black women is dismal. It's actually, I read an article, I think it was 0. 0.006, if I'm not mistaken. Like that you can count how many black women have ever raised money. So I knew that I also wanted to break that barrier. Um, so I, I didn't, I wanted to be a black woman that could show other black women that like your ideas are worth it. And like your ideas are huge ideas and the communities you serve are really important. Um, and having investors allowed me to um, bring really cool people onto my cap table, like some of the people you mentioned. And I think black women, particularly and women generally as investors don't get access to a lot of deals like this. And so I made it my mission that I had a lot of women a lot of black women and a lot of women of color. And because, I mean, if you think about the other deals, like the Ubers and we're not an Uber, right? We're not a, a, a cash app. We're not one of those type of brands, but investors get really wealthy off of companies. And like, if we want more women to get access to, you know, even grants, like when you're a millionaire, you can create a grant for someone. Right. And so it's like, even if it's not an investment, we want people to become wealthy so that they can then create more, women like you and myself, like that have the access to capital or resources to follow their dreams. And so I wanted to make more people wealthy and those people, I wanted them to be women, black women and women of color. Snaps. Okay. Beyond well, I first of all, I mean, you just have this like sense of, you seem like you have an, an incredible relationship to self-worth and you seem like you are operating from, you know exactly what you deserve. You, and what you know worth. that you should be in the room. Like when you walk yeah, into that which, room, you know, you should be there. And at such a young age, that is so rare. I mean, I'm even like struggle. I'm, I'm grappling with that at my age. I'm 26, but, um, talk to us about that like where did that come from was it your parents was it an upbringing how does how did this instill in you yeah I'm Nigerian so my parents are like you need to have the top grades in your class you need to be the best at whatever you do my mom hammers to me every day she's like you need to be the absolute best person at anything that you're doing like you have to like want to aggressively be this like best person like you want to be the best version of yourself you want to be like and it's not even about being the smartest in the room it's about being knowledgeable so that people see you and say yeah that person actually really knows what they're talking about um i think that's it my mom is is super super brilliant my dad is an entrepreneur through and through i'm very much like him he has like thirty thousand business ideas just like i do um and my parent i'm first gen right my parents came to america 20 six years ago, 27 years ago. So like I am the first generation and I mean, I, my parents worked really hard to get here. Um, but I want to say I wasn't always like this. And actually even in college, I think I've always been the ambitious type, right? I, uh, in high school, I was a track athlete. I actually was highly recruited. I got recruited by a ton of schools. Um, I won the state meet in Texas. So I was like the top athlete, um, of my graduating class. 
and had offers to different schools. So I, I've, I'd always had this work ethic of working really, really hard to get things because I always saw that when I worked hard, I got whatever I wanted to accomplish. But I'll say even in college, making this transition into business, um, I didn't know that I could do the things I can do. And it actually wasn't even until recently that I was like, if you put your mind to something, you actually have the ability to do it. I mean, privilege also plays a role into this, right? Like being fortunate enough to have parents. And my boyfriend gave me the first $2,500 to start my company, right? So it's like, you have to be at the right place at the right time. You have to have privilege to be in certain situations. So I hope to pay that privilege forward to others. Um, but I've realized that like, I have good ideas. And I think like, that's, that's something that a lot of women, for some reason, we don't realize that even if we're doing it, we don't internalize that. And I think that's what I'm trying to teach myself. And that's how I, I get to know what I want to do is like, I internalize something and say like, I am the best to do X, Y, and Z. And this is how I'm going to do it. And so. That is such a refreshing, myself. that is such a refreshing outlook. Like you have no idea how much even I needed to hear that today because I think a lot of women and we've even had, you know, extraordinary women on this podcast that play themselves down that are just like, we give them compliments and they, they run away. Like they don't know how, and you, you're literally like, I'm fucking ambitious. I'm smart. I work hard and I got to get shit done. Like that's, incredible like we need more of that type of spirit and you just kind of exclaiming this it doesn't come I think people are just afraid that it'll come off like egotistical or narcissistic but it's like no this is why the fuck can't we be proud and you'll see at the end of the podcast we always ask get our guests like what no, is don't ask them now to- don't oh, ask her now oh, sorry 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 sorry, well, sorry we'll I, think, I think you talk about ego which I think is really interesting because I've always grown up as someone who is super my dad always tells me um, sorry, my laptop. Uh, my dad always tells me um, to be like really humble and to always come from a place of, of humble. So let me, don't let me being like honest about like, okay, I, I believe I have these capabilities, not also let y'all know that I do have imposter syndrome, right? I still sometimes think about ideas and things like, is that bigger than me? Can I actually reach that thing? Um, so I think that's also important is that like ego comes from a place of lack of knowledge. I learn, study, and surround myself with women, men, people who like challenge me to think bigger, right? So it's not just me. And I think it sounds like ego when you don't know what you're talking about and you want to be the loudest in the room. I'm not the loudest in the room if I don't know what I'm talking about, right? And I also think there is is something about also letting other people speak and letting other people lead that is also like indicative of a leader, I think. That's why I don't talk on Clubhouse is really um, what it boils down to. Um, Something that you said I really want to highlight real quick, and I don't know if these are the exact words your mom used or the way that you internalized her messaging, because I think it's a very, very, very specific and distinct distinction that has formed you. You said that you have to want to be the best, not you have to be the best. So I think a lot of the times we hear of parents that put so much pressure on their children that it actually backfires and they don't rise up to the occasion because of the external pressure. That is, that is congruent with the dialogue, you have to be the best. But your mom actually enabled you or empowered you to individually find the flame, like for you to want it, like you have to want it to want to be the best. And that small, small word, I believe potentially, even if she didn't say it, but that's how you heard it, 
is the reason you are who you are today. She did say it. And I'm going to give the most funny and quirky example of why, like my mom saying this, the movie Akila and the Bee. I watched it way too many times. <gasps> oh, it's like too many times. But there was that in Akila and the Bee, there was that, um, that uh, the boy who was like, his, his dad was super hard on him. He had to spell, the, and I was a spelling bee champ too in, in, in middle school. So now you know, just add it to the list. I was in there with them, like studying my words as I was watching this movie. And I, this is why I adore Kiki Palmer to this day. Um, but like, uh, he was like forced by his parents to like be good at this so much so that he like even wanted to cheat in some instances or like didn't, couldn't lose. And then like Akila was like, she was just lucky to be there. She was happy to be there. She studied her butt off. Her teacher was really great. Um, and I, I liken myself to Akila where Akila in that movie, they wanted her to be the best, but they wanted her to be her best. And her best ended up being the right kind of best where she, you know, won the competition, but then she also was nice to other people on the, in the process of doing it. Like it wasn't a, I have to step on your neck to get there. It was like, we can actually be friends and do this together kind of thing. I, I have a question for you, which is a little bit of an interesting question. If someone's listening to this, you're 24, right? You raised money at 23. If yes. someone's listening to this that is older than that by any number of years, and they are actually hearing the words that you're saying and are using it to shame themselves for where they're not at, what message would you say to them? What would you actually want them to take away from your story? So I don't believe in shaming yourself into anything because it's not for you. Like, I just, I don't, this whole idea of like, I have to be this thing or this person doesn't make sense to me, or at least I feel like I forced myself not to make sense to me because I used to be like this. Like, I haven't done this thing. I haven't, I'm not this person or I want to be this person. And like chasing other people's dreams will leave you sad and also unfulfilled because it's not for you. You know, like there's something that you were like, like you have God-given talent about us for a specific thing and you will miss that thing trying to be somebody else and like actually miss your own greatness. And that greatness comes at 12, it comes at 25, it comes at 30, it comes at 75 years old, it comes at any age. And so this whole idea of like running out of time, like you spending time thinking that you're running out of time is distracting you from thinking about your own greatness. And so like, I don't, I try my best because it is hard in like a social media world to not be like, I want to be Kylie Jenner today, um, which Kylie Jenner, she's a great business person, but like, I'm not Kylie Jenner like that. That's not my life. I'm not anybody else. And so I think wasting time thinking about time wasting is like, you're, you're missing out on the time that you could be thinking about your own greatness. Just, we're done. I mean, can you we're like, done. can you like be our, can you just like come over every morning and like hype us up? Like this what is, what can we, I what, need you like in my mirror. What kind of salary would it take for you to just hang out with us all day and spew <laughs> wisdom? <laughs> just hype us up. Okay. We would be remiss if we didn't ask about the brand, because as you mentioned, it's something, I think it's like an integral part of what you're doing because you want the messaging to come across and be um, universal, right? It's not, it is a very niche product and and condition and you but you want it to feel like it's this like cool club to be a part of so where what are the inspirations behind the brand and um how did you guys how did it come to fruition yeah so I met Claudia about a little over a year ago 20 are we in 2020 no we're in 2020 we're 21 girl 
But I met her in January 2019. Um, we just connected over the fact that we both had chronic skin conditions. She has like super severe eczema and I had all the skin conditions I mentioned earlier. And she had spent a ton of time like she started working at Stanford when she was 14 in their department of dermatology. Yeah, she's like, she has six dermatology publications. She's like a savant when it comes to the sciences. And so we just connected over that and um, shared this, both this, this idea that like we could create a brand that we actually wanted to see in the world for people who had skin conditions like us. And that's really where it started. And um, we... Yeah, we're really fortunate that our community has been so receptive. I think at the end of the day, when someone, you know, I think like consumer behavior, I, that's like something that I've never read a book about consumer behavior because I just, I'm so, I don't know if I'll write a book, I'll write an article maybe. Um, who has time to write a book these days? <laughs> um, I just am so obsessed with consumer behavior. And it's like when you boil it down, like I said earlier, everything is an extension of personal style or extension of like who you think you are, who you present yourself to in the world. And so when you have a skin condition, there's that emotional um, tie to that experience. And I think when I was thinking about my previous job working at, at Shea Moisture, building a brand for them called Shea Girl with my business partner named Rochelle, um, we understood very well that there was two kinds of beauty industries, particularly at Shea Moisture. There was like the hair, hair care aisle and then there was the ethnic hair care aisle, right? There was this like segregation. And then similarly in skincare after I left Shea Moisture and Shea Girl, I realized that the same thing was happening, not on like more of like a color level, but more on like, if you had like, quote unquote, good skin, which like, what is good skin? Um, word to our campaign that we launched two weeks ago. Uh, people, who shopped in like the skincare aisle had these had this like pretty packaging, this really fun brand experience, clean ingredients, all this fun stuff. And then if you had like an ointment type skin condition, you were going in and like you were shopping next to like the wart cream and like, you know, this and that. And so I wanted to um, change that experience for the customer so that they could enjoy like have an affinity to the brand that they were so cl closely linked to, you know, unlike a, a skincare uh, in the beauty aisle where you use it for like fun, maybe a face mask. When you have like a skin condition, like I'm sure, I don't know how long have you you've been on that prescription for acne? How long have you been on it? Spironolactone about like a year and a half, two years. Right. Most people jump brands within a month or two. So it's like, imagine having your whole vanity, like your whole cabinet be like brands that you like don't care about or you don't exactly like resonate with, but you have to use that, those products because like you have a skin condition. Um, the brand is really built on that. And so like all of our experiences, all of our marketing has really been built in the fact that there just wasn't anything that people like myself resonated with in that ointment aisle. Okay. Um, we need to talk about the smell. Um, yeah, we're just wondering. Cause it's kind of smelly. Smell and... is low, though. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, I mean, look, it it makes me feel like it's working because it's I, like it's like okay, this is an ingredient. So talk right. to us, like, why is that the smell? What is it? So we always take feedback. So again, when I tell you that we're working on it, we're always because <laughs> uh, it's our third version. And so like the version, I don't know what version you have, but the third version and third version is supposed to be like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't even smell it anymore. So hopefully. Okay. You can't smell it anymore. But what it is, is that people with sensitive skin, the main reason or a large reason why they can't actually use other skincare brands that are like more fun is because they have fragrance in them. 
And fragrance is a really big sensitizer um, and a really big like allergen for people. And so we vowed to never use it. What people don't understand is that the beauty industry sells fragrance in a lot of what they do. Most products who are that are good smelling, that are like fruity, have a fragrance. And so raw materials smell like raw materials. They smell like a regular ingredient. And so that's what that is. You're smelling raw materials, particularly you're probably smelling the glutathione, which is a really great ingredient for getting rid of discoloration um, or reducing the look of discoloration. And um, it has a cysteine chain in it. I'm about to get a little sciencey. A cysteine chain, which is like sulfur, sulfur bridges. Sulfur smells terrible. Um, but that ingredient is so good. So it's like, do we want to sacrifice the efficacy and the speed at which the product works? Or do we want a product that looks good on the, on the shelf and smells good and everyone loves? So again, we're always working on improving it and, and trying to tap into the new science that allows us to maybe like mask the smell, which is what we did with um, version two and three, which is uh, an ingredient called zinc. I think it's zinc ricolone. I'm not the science person on our team. It's okay. Zinc something. Um, but it, but it, it, it like deodorizer. So it like, yeah. instead of it being a fragrance, it just like masks the smell of it. Got it. I mean, look, like I, I love when my skincare is smelly. Like I think of Biologique Recherche P50, like it smells like ass. Like it's, I'm actually proud to be in the same conversation because Biologique is like, that's what the it girls use. Yeah. Okay. Shit. Yes. I don't use that. Shit. I mean, it's like Parisian level chic. It smells like dog shit, but it's just like, it's like power fill like it's the best that you thing you could so I, I think there is something obviously yes it's raw materials like if you want to have actual things work like it's go- and not put like you know as you said fragrance or like maybe other toxic things on your face like you're gonna have to smell it yeah so that's it. And I, wonder, I wonder when people like it's just interesting about beauty and like what has been sold to people in the past and I wonder I think with the rise of the skin intellectual uh which is like mm-hmm. this in care, uh, aficionado. Intellectual, I love that. <laughs> I think we're gonna turn this over because this idea that um, your products have to smell good is fake. Like it's not even real. Yeah, it's just like a marketing packaging yeah, situation. Marketing. And the marketing thing is hurting you. So like, should we keep doing it or should we not? Yeah. Okay, before we ask our favorite question that we ask everybody at the end, I just had this idea that Mads doesn't know about, but I want to do like a really, really quick, like first thing you think of rapid fire tips for our audience. So what is your favorite branding tip? Community building, build a community and don't do it in the, in the, the cliche way of like, Hey everyone, follow us on Instagram. We built this game called Skin, Sun, and Stars, which was a mashup of your horoscope and skincare advice. It was like a quiz. You would give us Mm. your birthday, your time of birth, and your skin conditions, and it would spit out results, your sun, moon, and rising sign, ingredients that worked for your skin condition. We knew that our audience loved zodiac signs, and we knew that they wanted more information about their skin. That is community building. We had 10,000 people play that game. Do stuff like that. Amazing. That's amazing. My next one was going to be top tip for community building, but we just got both in one. (laughs) Okay, last tip. What's your top tip for having a business partner? Mm, that's a good one. I think like trust and transparency, like being able to, and empathy. Empathy is a big one for me. It's like, sometimes I don't have it and like trying to, trying to like work with the person, but also setting boundaries too. Cause I think like sometimes people may even like 
not know how to help you or help know how to, if you don't communicate that, right? Being transparent, setting boundaries, saying like, oh, I like when this happens. I don't like to be spoken to this way, or I do like to be spoken to this way. I think that is a big one, because I think empathy, when you're like in someone else's shoes um, and trying to understand, but also simultaneously setting boundaries for yourself to where you're not like overextending yourself is really important, because I think overextending yourself leads to resentment. Beautiful. Okay, last one. I said last one was, but this one actually is. Top tip for anyone who is about to meet for investors to pitch their business idea. Why are you the absolute best person to execute this vision? Because you can have a really great idea, but if investors look at you and like you're, let's say, I don't know, a guy who is really great at like trucks and stuff where you like do mechanic stuff, but then you're like, I'm going to sell this skincare brand because skincare is hot right now. Like it doesn't match. Like there's a new uh, term that I really, really like uh, founder market fit. So like product market is like, does the market like your product? Uh, there's an, a founder investor fit. Do you and your investors like match? Like, can they help you? By the way, I love my investors. I don't think I answered that question before. Uh, but I absolutely adore them. <laughs> They're really great. Um, cause people can have like bad, um, feelings or bad investors, but I have really great ones. Um, and the last one is that thing that people talk about is this founder market fit. Like do you get your market? Are you the perfect person? It's like as if someone who maybe wasn't like a black woman wanted to solve the issue of like 50 shades. It would kind of like be hard because they just have never had the experience of maybe not being able to find their shades. So it's like, not that they wouldn't be capable of doing it, but it just might be a little bit harder for them to get it or to get that feeling. And so again, similarly, if someone who had like clear skin was like, oh, I want to make a, a brand for chronic skin conditions, they would say things or do things that like maybe might rub the community the wrong way because they just have never felt it or been, you know, in that position. I've always said like coming out of a place of empathy is the best way to start a company because you know the pain points you've been in the position. And so then you can essentially create and and vision up a product that can solve that issue that you've firsthandedly experienced. Um, okay. Our last question if you were to brag about something and you cannot be humble, what would you brag about? And I think that you're going to have a lot of ease with this question. Hmm. I would like to brag about how resilient I am. I think I've been through a lot of things, both on the business side, the personal side, as it relates to just like making something happen and it's super funny because this is a really weird way to describe yourself but like you know cockroaches never die right like you could step on a cockroach like they said that like if there was a bomb that hit like cockroaches would still be alive like I feel like I am the human version of a cockroach where it's like people have tried to, to step on me they've tried to bomb the idea they've tried to do all these things and I just show up the next day and just like slough off all the things that they say and then I'm still here so I, I would like to celebrate my resilience because I think it's, there's a lot of people who are way better at me at what I'm doing, right? They could be doing what I'm doing. They could probably be executing way better than me, but they don't have resilience. And so really fortunate and grateful that like I bet on myself and I believe in myself because I think that's a superpower, believing in yourself. Amen. I think it's the most under like appreciated uh, quality of not only an entrepreneur, but just a quality for human life, just for being a human on this planet and having that experience. So 
I'm really happy that you that you shared that. I think that that we all could look at ourselves a little bit more and ask where we can be a little bit more resilient um, because that's really where the magic happens, right? Is once you push through to the other end, you get to see that final product, which has clearly been quite fruitful. So please let everybody know where they can find topicals, where they can get their topical fix, where they can follow you on social, all of the things. Yes, so you can find us at mytopicals.com. You can find us on most socials at Topicals. Um, Instagram is the only one that's giving me a little bit trouble. So we're at My Topicals on Instagram. Um, you can find me on all social platforms at my first name, Alamide, O-L-A-M-I-D-E, middle initial A, last name, Aloe, O-L-O-W-E. Yay, beautiful. Amazing. You can follow us at OKSIS Podcast on Instagram, and we will catch you next week, sisters. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.